0: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Living Truth Podcast. This is Kristen Carey hosting today. And you guys, I'm so excited to talk to Carrie Holiday. Carrie, thank you so much for joining me on the Living Truth Podcast today. Thank you. It's it's an honor to be here, really. Okay, I'm gonna tell you guys about Carrie. I've been following her on Instagram for a while. That's how I found her. She is a betrayal trauma survivor, overcomer. She is a trauma-informed somatic mindfulness coach, and she's going to explain more of what that means. She specializes in working with women after betrayal, sexual betrayal trauma. On If you're on Instagram, she's otherwise known as Sincerely Carrie Jean. So she spent a decade suffering from the impact of betrayal trauma and ended up developing CPTSD, which is Complex Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder, as a result. But it was through somatic mindfulness that she found a way out, a way to healing. And once she discovered how powerful this was in the healing process, that process of coming back to her body and attuning to the nervous system and all of that, she just found explosive growth. And now she helps other people. Carrie, I have all these great questions for you, but I just remembered, I need to tell our listeners two things. One is if you relate to, resonate with, and and enjoy this podcast, would you take a moment to write a review and do a rating? Because that helps other people find us. The other thing I want to tell you guys who are listening, two more things. One is don't tune out if you're a man struggling with unwanted sexual behavior or a woman struggling with unsex- unwanted sexual behavior, because this episode will also be for you. Somatic mindfulness is something that helps everybody in the world, really, especially those of us who have endured trauma. But I think everybody can benefit from this. And the third and last thing I want to tell you guys who are listening before I ask Carrie some great questions here is the holidays are right around the corner from when this podcast is releasing on October 31st. And holidays can be one of the most brutal, painful times for couples who have recently had infidelity or porn addiction exposed in their family for obvious reasons and reasons you may not have already thought about. So I want to tell you guys about an important experience I am offering for women for free on Facebook, or you can just do it via email, and it's Survival Strategies for the Holidays After Betrayal. It's going to take place the week before Thanksgiving, like that full week, the week of the 14th of November. Um, Go to my website, living-truth.org and click on in wanting more information about women in the battle, that will get you on my email list and you'll get all the details for that in there. Okay. Now back to talking to you, Carrie. Um, I want to ask you just first of all, can you describe to our audience, what is somatic mindfulness?
1: Uh, yes. Actually, before I answer that question, I wanted to, to, you know, kind of back your, um, your advice to those that are listening that this is for everybody the betrayer and the betrayed um because this is really what worked for my husband as well he jumped on this bandwagon before i did so this is across the board everybody on the planet can use this no matter if you've experienced trauma or not this is for everybody so Before we get in, no one turn this off because you can use this in some way. Uh, So now to answer your question, what is somatic mindfulness? So first let's define somatic. Uh, Soma in Greek means living body. So somatic is referring to the body. And mindfulness, I know mindfulness is like a buzzword that everybody's talking about and really, People identify it as um, being in the present moment. We need to take it a step further. It's being in the present moment, the present experience, without the judgment and reaction. And that's really, really important because I would venture to say that a lot of us can be aware or mindful of our anxiety and our triggers but then we get wrapped up in the judgment and the reactivity to it. So it's important to note that it's without the judgment and reaction. So we're putting those together. Somatic, body, mindfulness. We're present with the experience without judging or reacting. So we're essentially going into, we're present with the body's experience in the moment without judging and reacting. So I like to think of it as you are both, Uh, This kind of goes into dual awareness, but we're both the observer of the experience as well as the experiencer. So we're able to be with it and observe being with it. That is somatic mindfulness in its essence.
0: Okay. Now I have another question about judging or reacting. Can you give Mm. me an example of how that (laughs) does happen? Because
1: yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to speak to, um, oh, there's so many, there's so many, like the examples, it's hard to pick one. So we judge in the idea of like, um, I need to get over this. I should stop. Time has passed. Uh, I need to just forgive him this. Oh, he said he was sorry again, pronouns, you know, use that as you may. Um, there's the anger. Oh my gosh! I think particularly as Christians, we hear this. There's a lot of you shouldn't be angry. There's the you need to forgive and let it go. And so then there's the the shame that we put on ourselves for experiencing anger for experiencing. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Like we there's this. I'm so mad at you. How could you do this? I I hate you. Those are not like when you have been hurt that way. Yes. Those are natural feelings for that. And we go into the shame and the judgment of I'm a horrible person for feeling that I shouldn't feel this
0: when we should on ourselves.
1: Yes. Oh my goodness. The shitting. Yeah. It's the, you, it's a natural feeling that you would have. Um, And when we we react to it, we start to um, I I don't like this feeling. I'm going to run away from this feeling. We go into this either avoidance. Or we get sucked into the spiral and that's, we get very, and that's a, a protective, both, both are trying to protect. And that's actually a really important thing to note that, um, I've seen this and I've experienced this, that there is a, um, oftentimes in a relationship dynamic, one is generally anxious and one is generally avoidant. And there's a lot of um, shame that's put on the avoidant, and I'm gonna say that. And there's this idea of, oh, they're cold, they don't care about me, um, they they're so neglectful. But the anxious is very like, I'm, I I want the attention, I need you, I care about you. Neither one is healthy. Okay, both are trying to achieve the same goal. Both are trying to achieve protection and so when we get very reactive either going into avoidant or going to an anxious whichever one is your mo or your pattern both are trying to serve a purpose of protecting from the discomfort of what you're experiencing mm-hmm. and that's an important thing because there's my husband was very very avoidant and I was very anxious but his shutting down is his way of trying to protect against the shame that he felt and me trying to latch on was me trying to get the connection from the pain that I felt so there is a lot of judgment that goes into our patterns of survival. Mm. And it's important to know both people are trying to achieve the same thing, which is to feel better. Mm. And there's no shame in trying to feel better because we all want that. And there's they're and the, and trying
0: to connect. It's all rooted in our need for attachment. Like we were created yes. by God to to need attachment for survival as infants. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to transfer that and in an adult yes. way, in an adult relationship Absolutely. to be interdependent. So yeah, so, um, yeah, so th- this is so interesting because I think a lot of us live completely disconnected from what's happening in our bodies. Oh Why do you think that is? I mean, God gave us these messages, like all the neurons in our gut, literally, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um all the the, the the gut feelings the intuition and i think especially christians tend to just dis- dismiss like don't listen to your gut listen to God mm-hmm. you know and, and as if those are c- two completely separated different
1: things. things, yeah.
0: And we learn to not listen to our bodies. Um so why do you think that is that we especially for those of us who are listening who are parents, we probably had this done to us as children, right? Mm-hmm. stuff done to us, like to get us disconnected from our bodies. And then we pass that on to the next generation. So why do you think it is? So, so many of us are disconnected from our bodies.
1: So a lot of it goes into survival. When you think of, um, like, a a bear, like in the wild, uh, or a lion, I think lions run faster than bears. Actually, I actually don't even know, <laughs> but say they're running at you, they're charging fast. In the moment it is, you're not going to like, okay, how am I feeling? What's the best thing to do? You're going to react. It's about the survival. Yes. So when it comes to, as you I mean, you said it all the way back to childhood. As children, we depend on our parents for survival. So it's, I need this connection. This connection is going to determine whether or not I make it if I'm connected to my parent. So, I'm disconnecting from myself in order to preserve this connection with them because that's what's going to keep me alive. It's all about the survival. So, we start to, well, when they say something, if that goes against what we're feeling, then it's okay that what I must be, what I'm feeling is wrong. What I'm feeling doesn't matter because it's all about them. It's I need to keep this relationship okay in order to be okay. Mm. So we chip away at our own intuition, at our own gut instincts, at our own needs because the needs of the relationship matter more mm. for survival. And that's why I love I mean, I I appreciate that you touched on um all the going back to childhood because it does. It, it's it Debbie Silver, Debbie Silver um talks about the five stages of betrayal trauma recovery and she's the founder of the post-betrayal transformation institute and in the first the first uh stage is the setup stage and the setup stage is all of our essentially pre-existing um, attachments our pre-existing wounds the the lack of connection our our traumas before we even entered into the marriage that then makes us disconnect from ourselves and our intuition to then i need to preserve this relationship. So absolutely, it does. Many times we start looking into um, healing from betrayal in our re- in our relationship. It brings up all of the before because you see the setup, how our system has been shaped into this disconnection from ourselves. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, it's all about
1: survival. That's the that's the brain yeah. of bodies number one priority. It's not happiness as much as we like to think it is. <laughs> it's not. Is it's survival. about, it is 100%. It's how can I get through this? Mm-hmm. And what the brain's going to do is it, it's like a file cabinet. It goes back to see how did I get through this before? Which is that setup stage. It's how did I preserve connection when I was a kid? And we do this subconsciously. How did I preserve that? That's how I'm going to do it now. Mm. Because it's those patterns of survival. That's what the brain's going to do. Even if it's no longer serving you. It knows this is going to get me through it. That's what matters.
0: Okay. So some people are listening and they're there. I know you can't see what I'm doing with my hands. If you're just listening and not watching this, but <laughs> that was a mind blowing, mind blowing blown. hand motion here. Okay. So uh, very powerful. So if you're listening and you're like, oh my goodness. Yes, that is me. Like I have been doing whatever I can to preserve the connection Mm -hmm. with my spouse or to avoid what I think I'm just avoiding the connection, but really that's also about survival because you're, you're trying to avoid the shame and they're realizing, yeah, I'm living completely disconnected from my own body, my own feelings and thoughts and wants and needs, um, which kind of perpetuates this cycle of Mm -hmm. trauma Right. So how do, how do they start to begin to reconnect with their body after living disconnected for so long?
1: Well, first and foremost, it's not a fast process. And I say that because it can be scary. If you have learned that survival means disconnecting from yourself, then to then go into, and now I'm going to try and connect with myself. That's going against what your body has learned for survival and that can be scary so that is why slowly matters because we're trying to um okay so this is kind of like the example i you'll you'll hear me out so like you know the frog you put the frog in the pot and then you crank the the temperature up if you go all the way up to high it starts boiling the frog's gonna jump out if you just slowly go one degree up. One degree up, then the frog stays. It's like, oh, okay, it acclimates, it doesn't freak out. Mm-hmm. So, in trauma, we call this titration, yes. where we're adding one drop at a time so that way it doesn't have the reactivity. So, we're trying to reconnect to our bodies, which has been oftentimes deemed unsafe to do. We want to go slowly in that reconnection because we don't want to activate the threat defense system, which Mm -hmm. is essentially saying that's not safe to do. So we need to pull out all the protective measures. So we, we go slowly, we go slowly with um, compassionate curiosity and the compassionate piece is huge. Oh my goodness. It's so big because that's where we, we don't, we get rid of the judgment. It's knowing this makes sense. Why this is scary. It makes sense why I'm I'm resistant to go there. Mm -hmm. This is hard. We're giving ourselves the validation. We're giving ourselves the attunement of being heard. We all want to be heard and seen and understood. That's a natural longing that we have, and so we're kind of giving it to ourselves as we're reconnecting. We go slowly with what do I notice in my body, and maybe if that's even too much, it's what do I notice in my environment? What do I notice in the way that my body engages with the environment? And then we can take it, okay, what do I notice in my body? Mm. Sometimes I know breath work is, you know, good to your breath. That's a big one that people use because it's always there. We always have our breath with us, but the breath can be very dysregulating. So we're talking about connecting to your body, connect with your breath. When it's like, oh my gosh, I have to go inside to do that. And that's really scary. So it's, all right, let's start with what do you notice in, in your, where does your, your attention navigate to or gravitate to in your, in your mm-hmm. surroundings? And then it may be, oh, how does that feel when you notice that? So we're, we're starting to get curious with the body, with the engagement of what you're around, because that's less scary. We call that anchoring. Mm-hmm. I'm orienting to my environment and finding something that anchors my, my system. So that way, then with that anchoring, I could then go in my body. Okay. Now what am I noticing inside with this anchor that's outside? So it's all about taking it at the pace of your nervous system. Mm. And that's the phrase I love to use because your, your system is the one that's going to determine how quickly you can move. And okay, that's so what is
0: the sign that you're going too fast.
1: The sign you're going too fast. Well, when we start to notice, um, the, the, the anxiousness, the shutting down. Um, I mean, those are kind of more of the ones that we tend to think of, you know, fight, fight, freeze mm-hmm. a fawn. That's a big one. A big one we see in betrayal. I think a lot is the fawning. Um, you explain
0: what fawning is just to be sure that people understand.
1: So fawning is essentially, um, I like to think of it as, um, friend, you're fawning, you're befriending of, I'm going to be super nice to you so that way you'll be nice to me and I won't get hurt. You know, someone breaks into the house and you're like, oh, okay. You know, you're doing such a, okay, here's all my things. Oh, how'd you get in? You did you're such a good, you're so good at this. Like you found a way into my house. (laughs) you're it's like you're being nice to them so that way they won't hurt you versus i'm going to fight you and run away or or freeze which is um freeze is a, an overcharge of both the high intense the hyper arousal and hyper arousal like they're both going in full force we get stuck so fawning is i'm, I'm playing the perfect wife i'm going to give you everything that you need so that way you'll be nice to me Hmm, that is that's why we see that a lot. I think in Michelle and I did it. Hands down, I did it. It was I'm gonna cater to your every need. I'm gonna try to prevent any stress in your life for my own survival.
0: Yeah, we're also encouraged to do that by a lot of unknowing people helpers that don't realize yes. that they're actually propagating the addiction cycle when they tell mm-hmm. us to just give him more sex and reduce his stress levels.
1: Mm-hmm. It's not
0: about either of the well, stress does play a factor in uh addiction, but it's never the the betrayed partner's job to reduce the stress exactly. of the grown up with the unwanted sexual behavior. Yeah. So, but yeah, so you're right. It's it's a we do we fawn as a survival strategy, but we also it's also highly encouraged and highly valued by the church, also. Oh
1: yes.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So Okay. So one thing I want to go back to is this, how you said, how important it is to have that compassionate Mm. curiosity, which is in stark contrast to judgment, right? Uh, Yeah. Okay. But one thing that I found for several years of my early recovery process was I had to borrow the compassion of other people for me. Mm-hmm. I could not manufacture it for myself. Like I could if I was really intentional and I stopped and I and I was um intentionally working on com- self-compassion and like ex- seeing myself the way God sees me instead of the way mm-hmm. my own inner critic um was speaking to me. But I largely had to hear other people's empathy for me and my own empathy for other people who were hurting, Mm -hmm. to integrate that into my own way I see myself and talk to myself, which is why it's so powerful and important to work with somebody as a coach. That's one Mm -hmm. thing Carrie does is coaching with betrayed women. And why being in a group is so powerful, a group with other betrayal trauma survivors, because you hear each other talk and you feel that compassion for somebody else often before you start to have it for yourself, don't you think?
1: Yes, yes. One of the big—we no longer live in a world where we have to constantly be worrying about, um, you know, going out and gathering food, and um, that the making of the bread is this huge elaborate. Or laundry is huge elaborate. So the struggles that um, our our systems were kind of developed with having we we don't have those same focuses now. All of that is handed to us. What do we do? We, we turn it on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we Because our brain likes to solve problems. So a lot of times we create problems to solve because it wants to solve problems. And so it becomes, we, I don't want to say um, self, self-critic. self We'll call it self-critic. Where we just go into everything's on me and I'm flawed and i messed up. And so it's, it is really hard to have this compassion when our system is turning against itself. So I love that you said we to borrow it from somebody else because that goes all the way back to even as a child, children borrow it from their parent or from their caregiver. Mm -hmm. We, we aren't, we have to be taught it. Mm -hmm. We have to be shown and, and um, set the way for it. And when that's not given, we don't know how to do it for ourselves. That's why it is really important. Most of the healing that happens in a coaching or therapeutic setting is the relationship. It's the, I am safe to go with this. And somebody's still here. Somebody compassion is being with somebody in their suffering. Mm -hmm. That's what compassion is. And so when we're. When we have somebody who's still with us, we are vulnerable and sharing and somebody's still like, Hey, I'm here. I'm here. It's okay. There's no judgment. here. like, I'm here. I hear you, man. That really sucks. Mm-hmm. That was really hard, man. I'm, I'm here. Then there's this like, Whoa, I, that it eliminates the shame of, I just shared something and they're still here. Wow. We are shown in that relationship. How to do that for ourselves? Mm. Absolutely, it does take being taught because our system learns through example. It learns from others. That's why connection. That's why God made the family unit so important because that's how we learn to navigate the world is through each other, community, Mm. family, friends. That is. Essential.
0: It absolutely, absolutely.
1: is. So, um, okay. You you talked
0: about going slowly. Can you? I, I loved the example you gave of of starting with your environment rather than tuning into mm-hmm. the body. And in our groups, we do a lot of grounding strategies with um, our betrayed partners, and we'll do the f- the five senses. You know, name mm-hmm. five mm-hmm. things you can see, four things you can yeah. hear, etc. Which is that anchoring. Um, when a person start is is in a place where they can start to look at what is going on in their body, um, can you give us some examples of some somatic mindfulness techniques that
1: people could try? Oh, well, there are a lot of uh, different approaches. Um, it is it's all about the pattern. Okay, that there is, and that's why that's why it's a it's a process in time because it's recognizing the patterns of what am I seeing here? What am I seeing? It's being open to what you're seeing to start to notice the pattern. So maybe it's um, I like to start with the feet first off, where it's the anchoring your feet on the ground. There's a lot of um, support. In the feet, they carry us everywhere. Yeah, and so I really like focusing on it to bring it down to the feet. Feet on the ground. What are you noticing? I my clients get used to asking or to hearing that question a lot. What do you notice? What do you notice? Because there can be. I notice this is uncomfortable. I notice I um, that I don't want to go there. I notice versus the I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. This is really uncomfortable as i'm I'm noticing, and that's putting yourself into the observer role we're witnessing the experience, so I always like to start with the feet and finding some grounding or a place of anchoring. that's where I really like to use. I think you know God is our anger. I always love that God is anger, so we, it's finding anchoring in in ourselves um and I know there are so many areas of her body that can feel really scary to go to. Mm-hmm. So, um, finding an area that just feels good. Like what just, what's a place that just feels okay. Even where in your body just feels okay. I once had a client say for pinky toe. Well, like, that's pretty, that's pretty specific. <laughs> She's like, I don't know why, but my pinky toe just feels good. I'm like, okay, let's go with that. Let's go with that. And then it's a matter of like, let's, what, what do you notice that feels good about that? Let's describe that. The felt sense. I love the language of the felt, the felt sense because we tend to um, do a lot of you know emotion, label the emotion, super, super helpful, um, bringing that neocortex online. But we also want to take it a little deep, bit deeper and what's the felt sense of that emotion, okay? So it's like, hey, I may feel very anxious, right? Well, how does it feel in your body? It's like, oh, it feels tight, feels rigid. Oh, I feel really happy. It was happy I feel like in your body. It feels, it feels light. I feel open, kind of like a little giddy or like energized in my arms. So we're taking it back to the body in this experience. So when it's finding a place that just feels good, mm-hmm. it's allowing that. What do you notice in that? And then with each breath, it's like, okay, let's expand that. Now from that pinky toe, now it's like it's reached your whole foot. You feel it kind of going into your heel. So we're expanding. And I love using the body to do that because it's it's noticing, hey, I can bring an area in myself and allow that to ground me. And sometimes again, when it's like nothing feels good, nothing feels good. Everything's horrible. It's like, okay, we noticed that everything feels horrible. There's no judgment in that. It's Like, yeah, okay, that sucks. That's the way it is. All right, then let's go to what's, how's the carpet feel? Rub your foot on the carpet. How's the carpet feel? Or it's the chair, rub your, rub your hands on the chair. I was sitting down at church on the, on the floor of the church on Sunday with my daughter as she was having um, a lot of intense emotion. And I was like, okay, we're sitting in the sun. I was like, just notice the sun, notice the sun on your legs. How does that feel? And She's describing the sensation of the sun put her hands on the carpet, like rub that. How does that feel? So it's, it's starting to bring, okay, what feels good around me and how my body's interacting with that. Mm. So it's really bringing it into what feels good. Where can we start to expand that to ground us?
0: What a great example of something that people listening could do with their children.
1: Mm. You know, Oh my goodness. Kids? With your, yes. Yeah. <laughs> There is the greatest thing I think my daughter has a lot of trauma because of, you know, seeing everything in me, um, in her life (laughs) and the greatest, greatest thing I've ever done as a parent is to learn how to, um, regulate myself how to be with the heart and show her that. And that's something I think is so huge because in betrayal, we do kind of, oh, I'm, I'm failing my kids because I'm so caught up in all of this, my hurt, and my pain, I'm not showing up for them. I don't want to tell them what's going on. I don't want to share this with them. But when we can be the example, we can say like, Hey, I'm having a hard day right now. And this is what I'm doing. Guess what? That is a, such, that's a, oh my gosh, the greatest thing you could do for them is showing them it's okay to experience hard feelings. And this is something that helps with that.
0: Absolutely. Yes,
1: absolutely.
0: So there are people listening right now and they're like in the midst of the worst pain of their life. They're like, Mm -hmm. you know, just reeling from this and they are believing some of those lies. Like I'm gonna ruin my kids forever. My kids are never gonna make it back from this. And so this, I'm really hopeful that this is gonna bring you guys hope um, I recently read this great book called "Attached to God" by Crispin Mayfield, and um, he's an EFT, emotionally focused therapy therapist. And um, there's been a lot of writing lately about uh, attachment theory and both attachment to our parents and our primary caregivers, to our spouses, and to God being kind of the anchoring factor in 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 our sense of well being. And I would I would add that our attachment. To ourselves, which sounds so selfish and self-centered, but it does not need to be. In fact, remember, you guys, Jesus said, "Love your neighbor as you love yourself." And most of us do a really crappy job at loving ourselves. Some of us are very selfish and self-centered. That is not self-love. That is, there's a difference, right? There's a difference. And caring for ourselves. Um. Anyways, back to attached to God. In this book, he talks about you do not have to be the perfect parent to raise resilient, really kids that thrive, you just have to be a good enough parent. And I think really part of being a good enough parent, because the perfect parent doesn't exist, is acknowledging that we're in pain or that we're struggling and that we're, we have tools and resources to do something about it. Showing our kids, hey, I'm going to therapy or I'm going to my betrayal trauma recovery group is actually, even if they don't know that it's betrayal trauma, I'm going mm-hmm. to a support group. It's a great model to our kids that like when we have problems, we get help right? Yes.
1: Yes, absolutely. I, I don't touch on, you said, um, no, the, the enough that, um, I'm good enough. Good enough. Parent. I, that's so important to note because, um, we, the system just needs to feel safe enough to be with the hard, the attunement. Now this, this is kind of mind blowing right here. We all You know, we think in terms of relationships, we all want that attunement, the the connection. We always need that all the time. We need to be understood. We need them to get us, understand. We need to be always together. No, we don't. We need to be just enough. And healthy relationships only need attunement about 30% of the time. Oh, wow. I know,
0: right? I've never heard that.
1: That's amazing. Mind blown. This is what really matters. Every relationship is going to have ruptures. You think Mm -hmm. relationship meaning uh, intimate relationships, parent-child relationships, co-work, all of them are going to have ruptures. That's normal. That's healthy. What matters is the repair, okay? The repair is what matters. And we aren't going to always understand each other Mm. because of our own experiences, our own personalities. Even we're not always going to be like, yeah, I get you and I'm here what matters is the contingency. And the contingency is, okay, I don't quite understand, but I'm still here trying to understand. Tell me a little bit more. How does that feel for you? What what is that like for you? Because I don't understand, but I want to understand. That, that is what's so important. We don't always have to get each other 100% of the time. We have to get each other enough and have that contingency of, and I want to know more. Mm -hmm. That is so, so, so important. It's all about having enough. I feel safe enough. I feel rooted enough. Mm -hmm. I feel connected enough that I can be with this, that I could reach out. It's having that, there's no perfection of 100%. -hmm. We just need enough.
0: That is really important. Really, that, yeah, it's so powerful. I love hanging on the um affirmation, progress, not perfection. Um, because I think so many of us, if we grow up in families with addiction, dysfunctional family systems, we mm-hmm. grow up having um a facade of perfection that we need to like measure, we feel like we need to measure up to, at least externally. And then when we feel like a wreck on the inside, that really re- produces so much shame, which propagates addiction, right? Mm -hmm. And dysfunctional family systems. So I love the freedom of knowing it. It just has to be safe enough. And we have to be just a good enough parent that gives us some freedom, doesn't it? To know, Mm -hmm. okay, yeah, I screwed up. Like that's, it's my humanity. Mm -hmm. It's part of the deal.
1: Absolutely. It's going to happen.
0: I think a lot of times when we hit a place of trauma, you know, when something happens and it overwhelms us and we are like stuck and we don't know what to do and we know we need to get help. Our tendency is to think, I'm just going to go, I'm going to go find a Christian counselor. I'm going to go fi- get, get mm-hmm. into therapy. And of course, if you've been around listening to Living Truth for any length of time, you know that most therapists are not trained in sexual betrayal and or problematic sexual behavior. So it's not advisable to just go to a random therapist. You have to seek out somebody who has specialized training. But I also want to point out the fact that we think that we can just go to a therapist and talk it through and then get some tools and resources from them in talk Mm -hmm. therapy. And part of what Carrie is describing is so different from talk therapy. Now, there are lots of therapists who incorporate somatic mindfulness and different somatic techniques that are powerful. But I do encourage you guys, if you have not yet found yourself a therapist or a coach, that you consider um, whether that practitioner, first of all, has the specialized training you need. And second, whether or not they are going to incorporate some of these body-based techniques. Because Carrie, what does it do to just go seek talk therapy when you have post-traumatic stress disorder? When you're when you're beyond just you have a traumatic experience and you, but mm-hmm. you go into P well, two questions. Okay. One is what's the difference between PTSD and CPTSD, which is complex post-traumatic stress disorder? And number two is why do, why does traditional talk therapy not, is not, why is that not enough for when you go into these more PTSD, CPTSD diagnoses? Mm -hmm.
1: So this is the, um, the way I like to think of and define the difference between the PTSD and the CPTSD. PTSD is a, a single event that, um, you know, think of more of a car accident or um, assault, war. There is a single thing that we can kind of pin it to. Complex PTSD is all like the small T. There's big T trauma and there's small T. And that's happening perpetually over time and over time. And it starts to wear at your sense of self. It starts to wear at your attachment that the system is in wiring in this way so complex think more um small t's perpetually over time or big t's over time yes yes absolutely but there's there's the time factor yeah there's the time factor and the reason I like to think in the small t when it comes to betrayal is that there's all of these things where it's like oh the, the way that it was said or how it was that it's happening in subtleties Mm-hmm. All of this is compounding, so I like to kind of harp on that the small t when it comes to betrayal because we notice a lot of it happening. Yeah, it's, it's sneaking its way in, but absolutely right, it can be the big T's over time. So the it's the complex is when it's it's been ongoing and ongoing and ongoing. Um, and then the other question: the talk it's like, therapy. Why
0: is talk therapy not therapy like?
1: Enough. Why does that not do it? For yeah. most people. Well, first off, I do always um, encourage hey, take it all in. Every modality has a, a role to play. Everything is going to support you in some way. It's about building your toolbox with as many of those as you can. There's not any single one that's going to do the trick 100%. Or quickly. It. Yeah, exactly. It's like everything plays a part. It's a lot of where you are in the process, where your systems, abs you take it at the pace of the system what can you take on so um this is i have three boys three sons so we are a boy house and we like superheroes we're avengers we are marvel we're not dc so i like yeah sorry i have i, I have one too
0: no i have a 17 year old who's obsessed with
1: marvel with, yeah, yeah never Never even mention dc or you're gonna get it <laughs> Well, this is the way I like to, um, to kind of put in perspective the, the roles that in terms of, um, cognitive behavioral and focusing on the body is Hulk, Hulk, Bruce Banner. So when we go into Hulk mode, I think that is trauma mode. We're not rationally thinking our neocortex or cognitive brain offline We are in that survival mode. You cannot rationalize with Hulk. So when you're in Hulk mode and you try to go into, let's sit down and talk about it. How much progress do you think is going to happen? Not very much. Oh my goodness. I remember so many sessions going in and talking and ranting. And then it'd be like, okay, peace out. I'll see you next week. And I'm like, I'm leaving. And I'm a bit, I didn't know anything different. Like, that's how I thought the therapeutic setting. That's what I all I knew was talk therapy. Okay. So, all I knew was, was talk therapy, nothing different. Now, Bruce Banner is really where the magic happens, right? We're able to talk with, rationalize with Bruce Banner. Now, how does Bruce Banner keep himself from getting into Hulk mode? He tracks his body. He monitors his heart rate. To, to When he's noting, oh, I'm getting, I'm bordering on that line. Yeah. What are my resources to move through this so I don't go there? Mm-hmm. That's where we can process. That's where we can go and be like, okay, I'm integrating this. I'm able to be with this is in Bruce Banner. So we have to tend to the body in order to be in that place that we can handle processing and integrating and going back to EMDRing. Mm -hmm. Man, like I had EMDR and it's like, wait, but I've had sessions of EMDR that I've had to be like, I can't stop done. No, not going there. Because I didn't have the skill set to be with what was coming up yeah, and still anchor. I didn't have that. Yeah. So yes, talk therapy does have a place. Absolutely. But we have to tend to the body, to the system mm-hmm. that it can manage going to that place. Mm. That it feels safe enough to go to that place to talk and process and there can be, we involve movement. There's, there is movement yoga. Great. There's a lot of, um, movement therapies that help with the actual completion and integrating of the trauma. Everything Absolutely. plays a
0: piece. Even as simple as walking is a form of bilateral mm-hmm. stimulation. Yes. Right. Yep. And, and the butterfly hug where you cross your arms mm-hmm. over and you tap These things are free and accessible to everybody. I never knew why walking and even better running for me was so like really helped so much. And I had no idea that is actually a form of bilateral stimulation, which is Mm -hmm. why, why EMDR is so effective. Yes. And so when you do something movement wise, as long as you're not harming yourself or anybody else, but if it's helping you move through, the intensity and it's helping you feel better you guys incorporate that into your day into your life because your body is is so smart when you listen yes. to it it knows what you need
1: when you listen to it i yes what yeah. it knows what you need I, i'm always teaching my clients it's like this is we we go through this process to get to the answer of what do i need yep the body's going to tell you in yeah. terms of you know, there may be times where it is, I need to run. I need to go for a run. I need to get up and I need to, I need to run this out. This energy, I need to run this out. It may be, I need to journal. I need to actually get the words, the language to this. Yeah. It may be, I need to dance, to bake, to sing, to meditation a little bit harder when you're in that mode. That's more what of about, a preventative what about practice. vooing, vooing? Doing, yeah. yes. So that has to do with the activation of the vagus nerve. I know. That's and it what,
0: works and it's crazy. So, you, where you just take a deep breath and from deep in the mm-hmm. gut,
1: mm-hmm. you get that vibration. Yeah. I thing, but it's legit. Yes, I have clients do that. All, they're like, what? I'm like, oh, <laughs> no, no, no. Let's go through this. I always tell them it's like, if you would like to mute, you can. That feels more comfortable for you. But hands down, Every single one of them, wow, it really does like I feel that. Yeah. The body knows what to do. The body craves healing. The body craves integration. It's the coming back to what do I need? And no one else can answer that for you. Mm-hmm. My my clients come, what do I do? Like, I can't tell you that. I can only guide you to yes. find that answer for yourself. Right. I cannot tell you what you need. I can't tell you to get a divorce or not. I can't tell you that. No, (laughs) no one can tell you that it is all up to you. It is coming back to your body, what your needs boundaries. I can't tell you which one you need. It's all about coming back to your body and your needs. Mm. So it's all about
0: so powerful. Carrie, thank you so much for taking your time to share with our listeners. You guys, I will put a link to Carrie's website in our show notes Um, I, this is so helpful. We just are so grateful for you sharing your experience, your wisdom, and, um, just your expertise in this area with our listeners.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: You guys, um, just take a second and, and rate and review our podcast. That'll help more people get the help that they need, um, through the living truth podcast. Thank you so much for taking your time to listen in and until the next episode, I'm holding out hope for you.